Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. Hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, an East Boston Salvadorian woman is still missing. Weeks after protests by community advocates who claim police were slow to respond. Plus, a conservative media startup is hoping to become Fox News in Spanish by hiring a swath of Latinx journalists and ramping up a $20 million marketing campaign. And despite ongoing tension about laws governing immigration issues, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham has joined Democrat Dick Durbin in a bipartisan effort to reintroduce the DREAM Act. The proposed 2023 DREAM Act would allow children brought to the U.S. illegally to earn lawful permanent residence. That and more on our Latinx News Roundtable. Later in the show, Japanese whiskey is the it drink for the moment, while local Asian restaurants and chefs draw national attention and honors. Suntory makes a blended Japanese whiskey called Toki, which is very light, very smooth. It's going to remind people of a, of a blended scotch. Our food and wine gurus weigh in on those stories and more. But first, joining me now, Julio Ricardo Varela, president of Futura Media Group, co-host of the In the Thick podcast, founder of Latino Rebels, and an MSNBC opinion columnist. Hi, Julio. Hey, Callie. How are you? I'm glad to have you. Also with me, Marcella Garcia, an opinion columnist and associate editor at the Boston Globe. Thanks for joining me, Marcella. Hi, Callie. Thank you for having me. Reina Rojas has been missing for nearly two months or more. Uh, Marcella, as you wrote, um, it looks as though the police were slow to respond. Community advocates have been holding vigils and demonstrations. They're very upset about the response to her um, absence and and the fact that it's very different in the way that they responded to other women who have been missing. Where are we now? This feels like an impossible situation. Reina was an immigrant, a recent immigrant at that. She had no family here. But her family in El Salvador are working and are trying, you know, day to day, daily, trying to talk to the police to get answers. And as you can imagine, this is an incredibly heartbreaking situation. It's been more than two months. It's actually been closer to three months. I'm going to write another column on on the, you know, sort of marking the three month, um, you know, I, I, I hate to say anniversary, but just the, the the three month mark of her disappearance, she went missing the weekend of Thanksgiving. That's almost three months ago. And the most egregious thing here, because there are many, many levels of egregiousness here and, and maybe possibly, uh, you know, misconduct from police, is that the police did not publicize Reina's disappearance until January 12th. So we're talking yeah. about you know, weeks, weeks into her disappearance when before, in other cases, when white women have disappeared and recall that this was happening at the time that Anna Walsh, the mother from Cohasset, was missing. And and there were, it it was a case that went national. Her was publicized within two days. You know, even more and more incredulous is the fact that the Boston police have admitted and that they regret not publicizing Reina's disappearance earlier, which to me calls for an immediate investigation of what happened in the weeks after Reina was missing internally. 
how did the police respond? Why did they? Why didn't they publicize? I mean, it immediately begs the question: Why didn't you ask the public for help? So it's it's a it's an incredibly sad situation. She has two kids that her sister is you know is taking care of, looking after, and the kids are in, as you can imagine, Kelly. I mean, it, every time I think about this, it makes my my blood boil. Yeah. yeah. Let me just say also that uh, since you've been writing about it, um, and we should give you that credit, uh, Marcella, because you. Uh, wrote about this and brought this to more public attention, there have been um, stepped-up uh, demonstrations and vigils um, held on her behalf. This is a recent one outside of New East Boston Police Station. Community members were expressing their frustration since Raina disappeared. She says, it's unjust that a woman who came here to seek a better life has arrived at this situation where we don't know where she is. Julio. Ah, the two Bostons. Here we go again. Right. When uh, I, I how long have we been talking about this, Callie and Marcella? And for years, I mean, I, you know, this is just another clear example of sort of the lack of understanding by, you know, law enforcement, by local officials you know, elected officials in Boston, that Boston is, you know, there are neighborhoods in Boston that are very vibrant, such as East Boston, that are part of the city that just do not get the attention. And, you know, kudos to my friend from the Globe opinion section, Marcela Garcia, for for raising this to the public. I'm going to be really honest. First time I heard about it was when I read Marcella's com, uh, column on January 23rd. And so I'm sitting here and it's, I, I'm, and Marcella's absolutely right. You know, the disappearance happened in, in Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving weekend. Did you hear Boston, like Boston police, local news saying, you know, we need your help. Was there any effort by the city of Boston to to understand that, wow, maybe if we shared this information publicly in another language, that maybe we would get some leads. But what this what what this has done, what this proves, and and no one can convince me otherwise, is that there are two Bostons. You know, immigrants are invisibilized in this in this city. There's an indifference, and there's no accountability. And the white, you know, whether it's white, missing white, white woman syndrome, which, you know, to Marcella's point, local media just is quick to jump on that because they're familiar with that. But they still have yet to understand that there are other communities that I will argue are saving the city economically, you know, and, and keeping the city going. And it's just a travesty. I mean, this, you know, every time I think Boston is pushing forward. I look at this sad story and I say, wow, there's still a lot of problems with the city. Let me ask you both a question. Um, there are now more than a dozen um, Latino legislators now in new sweep. That's, you know, in terms of what has been, that's a huge number. Will the, their presence um, and the power of the political uh, bring more attention and uh proper attention to situations Kelly, like, mm. none of them have spoken about this woman's disappearance none yeah, of them and i know for a fact can, can, can let me just say one point yeah 
I know for a fact that they have been contacted about this by the activists. None of them, not a single one of them have done a thing publicly. I don't know what they're doing, you know, if they're doing something behind the scenes, but to, to Julia's point about accountability, um, this accountability goes beyond policing. It goes to other institutions, including the Boston Globe. And I'm going to be the first one to say it because I said it internally. But also people in the building, in the building, had to read my column in my building to know that this was happening. The Boston police sent out an alert January 12th. We, the Boston Globe, wrote, you know, that little write-up about, oh, Boston police is looking for this woman. That's it. That's all we yeah. had. In yes. the heels of this Cohasset woman, Anna Walsh, the white woman who went missing and, you know, whose husband is now being charged, you know, allegedly with you know, that she murdered, like he murdered her. Right. So, you know, it, the account accountability goes beyond the globe, beyond the police, beyond it's, it's the state, the state um, um, house. It goes through all the institutions in Boston that participate in this invisibilizing the lack of accountability and ultimately, ultimately. This all boils down to the lack of power that the Latino community has. I swear to God, like this makes me so mad. It makes me yeah. want to literally cry. To your point, Marcella, yes, <laughs> like media representation in Boston for the Latino community is awful. And people like Marcela Garcia are, you know, we need 30 of you. And yeah. and and I think this is a perfect example of why it's also accountability within the community with elected officials but also looking at the institutionalized, you know, invisible, invisibilizing of our community that has taken decades in the city that just is, it, there's so much work that needs to be done. All right, well, I'm gonna move on um, to maybe some better news. <laughs> and I say maybe because it's not definite yet, but uh, uh, we've just heard that uh, the uh, Marty Meehan has recommended Javier Reyes as the next chancellor of the UMass Amherst ca campus, which would make him the first Latino to held that position. That's a pretty big campus. It's the prestige one um, in the UMass institutions. And I'd love to get your take on that. I know this is going to sound really provincial. I feel that the state college system is better served with leadership and not political leadership like Marty Meehan, because, you know, Marty Meehan was a former member of Congress, right? Why couldn't we find someone within in Massachusetts? That's all I'm saying, that, that, because I, I feel sometimes we look outside and we don't take advantage of the higher education that we have in this in this state. And, you know, I, it's great. I don't I know nothing about Javier, Javier, Javier Reyes, but those are just my initial like reactions, since I know this is a, a story that just just came out uh, this week. Um, yes, he still would have to be approved by the board, just to be clear. Um, but four of the board members were also on the search committee. And to, to answer your question, he is currently the interim chancellor of the University of Illinois in Chicago. Um, and before that, had held provost uh, positions um, also at that institution. So, you know, he's well versed in the hierarchy. He's he's not a politician, just to be clear. He's actually but where are the Latinos <laughs> like there's plenty of Latinos in higher education in, in the state. I, that's my yeah, point. Gotcha. I, that just my quick reaction. But I'd love to hear what Marcella has to say. Yes, Marcella. I don't know Javier Reyes either. I don't know her his background. But but the context here is also it's interesting. I mean, the outsider perspective, I think it's your point is well taken, right? Why couldn't we find uh, someone in from from Massachusetts, someone who knows the system, someone who is from the community, someone who 
yeah. who knows the challenges from, you know, not just higher ed, but also K to 12, because they're obviously very, very intertwined. I do, I do understand that. But I also can also see the, the value of having the outsider, outsider's perspective. The UMass Boston Chancellor is also a Latino who uh, I think he's also or came from another system, also out of state. Marcelo Orozco, Marcelo Gonzalez Orozco, he's actually a good a good advocate for Latino education, higher ed issues in the state house. So far, so good. All I hear, I, I, I met him. I all I hear is great things about him. He's been in the post uh, for a couple of years, I believe. And then the the other person that came out of state recently to higher ed, who is Latino is the um, the commissioner of higher ed. And so he's also from out of state. He comes from Texas. And, and this is why I think the outsider perspective is, 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 uh, is, is a value, perhaps. I get that they have, you know, maybe a learning curve about, you know, catching up the issues. The issues are really the same, right? Like college rate achievement, uh, you know, achievement gaps, also coming from K to 12, all of that. Like I would rather see someone <laughs> a Latino in K-12 too, looking at K-12, we haven't had that. And I, I think it's good. I mean, you, maybe I'm being maybe I'm being too optimistic in that I'll take what, what we can get. But, uh, you know, representation is representation. And, and ultimately, again, in higher ed, uh, perhaps we need that outside thinking, you know, come uh, fresh eyes. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and here with me are Julio Ricardo Varela, president of Futuro Media Group, and Marcella Garcia, an opinion columnist and associate editor at the Boston Globe. We're discussing Latinx news in Boston and nationwide. So let me go nationwide to the bipartisan uh, new Dream Act 2023. Okay. All right. I, I knew this was going to bring up some. <laughs> All, right. All right. So uh, people may know that the Dreamers were children brought here um, illegally by their parents. They didn't have anything to do with it, but they're here. Um, there was a law, actually an executive action um, put in place by President Obama, which protected them. That ran out. Um, there's been back and forth and back and forth. And as everybody listening to me knows, there's a lot of tension around the issues of immigration, period. But now here we have Lindsey Graham, conservative Lindsey Graham, really, and uh, Dick Durbin, Democrat, coming together on the DREAM Act of 2023, which would... Um, give some legal status to these kids who were brought here and allow them to graduate from high school, attain a GED, uh, pursue higher education and work lawfully for at least three years or serve in the military. Um, all right. So go ahead, Julio, because I can tell you. These these kids are now like 30 somethings and and like celebrating 40th birthdays. Well, what you, the, I assume there would be new kids that they're No, but about, this is, you know? well, this okay. is the other thing. It's like okay. this, the, the point I'm saying is that the, this Dream Act idea has been around since 2001, right? So here we go, 22 years later, and it just feels, you know, it was defeated in 2010, and now it's just, now it just has become this symbol of, you know, there's no immigration reform, so let's let's have Graham and Durbin announce every couple of years a bipartisan Dream Act. This is not going to go anywhere. It's really makes me sad because it's it's just something it's 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 the it's the it's the vicious cycle of just repeating the same things over and over with no nothing happening. And obviously, you know, as we move into the 2024 presidential cycle, because it started right here, we are 
it's pretty clear that the Republican platform is not about a dream act, which you would think you would think of all the things that would come out of the immigration reform debate, that this passage of the dream act would have already happened. But again, this is just a paper symbol to make people feel good. And I don't see any movement at all. I 100% agree with you. I think you have it exactly right. To your point about what conservatives are going to rain on, right, on, on in 2024 or leading to you know the presidential election in 2024, they're going to run on Latinx. How we, they're going to ban that term. And all yes, that. because Sarah Huckabee Sanders, exactly. It's going to be that silliness that means exactly. nothing. It's just virtual signaling. And and yeah, absolutely. This this is a tradition. It has become a tradition, this bill. To file, you know, the Durbin and and Lindsey Graham bipartisan, you know, quote unquote bipartisan bill for the Dream Act. I mean, it, it, here we go again. It's it's happening like Julio said. Every every time there's you know a new uh, Congress, here we go again, and and it never goes anywhere. And mind you, this is literally this is literally the 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 you know the, the literally like the minimum bear that they can do. The exactly. thing that most Americans agree on. And that can cannot even pass. It's been decades, right? And so, uh, well, at least one decade since since um, the last attempt got really, really close. And here we are in that same limbo space, which all these dreamers are poised to lose it because all the legal challenges that that DACA, you know, the DACA holders who are like the original dreamers, right? The executive order that you referenced. Uh, they're gonna they're poised to lose it because the Supreme the Supreme Court is probably going to to strike it down. And so if that doesn't prompt action, I don't really know what will. And it's gonna get worse, I think, too, uh, with in the context of the presidential election, because we're gonna be hearing all this, all this nonsense again, going back to the Latinx controversy, which is a non-troversy, but they're gonna try to make that the issue. And and it's it's just it's it just makes me like so sad that here we are, like Julia said, yeah. here we are. All right. Now speaking of the controversy, there are Latino <laughs> legislators in Connecticut who have proposed a bill to ban Latinx from official government. Why did you bring this up? <laughs> like I I'm trying to enjoy I'm my sorry. I'm I sorry. just need just a, a little bit of response to that. Well, Julio, I, I'll take I, I'll take that this please I mean, take this one, Marcella. I'll just I'll just sit in the back and 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 preach and say amen. It was my fault because I brought it up. Because it really is insane and you you have to really like I don't sometimes I don't know whether to write like satire because these things are yeah. just so ridiculous and 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 you just cannot do anything but but do satire on this. You know, it started with our Kansas governor, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, like like uh, Julio noted. Yeah, Arkansas, yeah, right. Uh, and and she first first thing she does when she gets sworn in, yep, signs seven executive orders, and one of them is to ban the word Latinx. First of all, no one's calling for this, right? No one in the Latino community is calling for this. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And the other thing is I love like the talking points, right, around why they were Latinx. Well, first of all, is a, a term pushed by progressive. No, it isn't. Second, right. oh, it's not even like, it's not even uh, adopted by the Real Academia. Um, the, the, Real Acad the Real Academia is like the... the governance body of the of the language the spanish language based in spain well we are in the united states hello <laughs> we're not we're yeah not and they're they're like full spain. of themselves anyway they're like well, yeah. It, it, yeah and you know language <laughs> evolves oh and the other talking point that i love i love when they say 
only 5% of Latinos use it. Yeah, because it's a new term. It's yeah. a new term. Yeah. New, new ter language evolves and new terms take time to enter the mainstream. And you, can, you know, to catch up, to, to, to say that or to cite that as an argument is so disingenuous. And, and you can tell that that's, those are the arguments. They have zero, zero value. The only reason I brought it up this in this conversation, because, you know, you we've all three discussed this many, many times, is the fact that Latino legislators brought this up. That's the only reason I brought it up. This is what is this is what is dangerous. Gerardo Reyes, and I'm I'm quoting from what he said, says, I'm of Puerto Rican descent and I find it offensive. Find the term offensive. Offensive. It is such a non controversy It's like a non-controversy. Non you guys said it better than I did. Nobody, if you look at the polling, yeah. talk about the whether the 5%, whatever. If you look at the polling of the Latino community when it comes to this term, the vast majority of people in the community care nothing about this issue. So Geraldo Reyes Jr. of Waterbury, what you're doing is actually the same dangerous slope that someone like Sarah Huckabee Sanders is doing. So for the state representative, or you want to associate yourself with, with what Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, which to be honest with you was, was more than dangerous because it creates this, this issue, it, this non-issue. It's a non-issue yeah. and, and yeah. but it's going to be part of the 2024 yeah. presidential election. Get ready. There's going to be a national debate question about this oh. label. Believe me, there is a new um, Americano media wants to be Fox News in Spanish on this episode titled Hillary Clinton compares Trump supporters to Nazis. The host of the podcast doesn't hide his political leanings. Necesitamos make America great again. Rescatar esta nación de este desastre. Esto es un desorden, un desastre lo que tenemos he says we need to make America great again to save this country from this state of disaster and disorder. I'm going to guess that the Latinx issue will be discussed on Amer Fox News in Spanish. 100%. And it totally mirrors whatever you see on Fox News. You see it on Americano Media, and they're making no... no um, you know, secret of the fact that they want to be Fox News in Spanish. They want to model themselves after after the the you know Fox News, who obviously has become huge among um, right wingers, and and they just want to do the same thing, but in Spanish. And the reason is, you know, there may be some market for this. And 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 again, going back to the media question, it, it really there really is. The bottom line is that there really is an opening here, an opportunity here for Spanish language, there's a need for Spanish language news. And if nothing else, these people are just being business savvy. I mean, it's a terrible business model in my opinion, but it doesn't mean it's not gonna be successful. Uh, and, and that's the danger because you're gonna have uh, the, the drumbeat. And by the way, they're, they're really investing a lot of money. They have funders, they have millions, tens of millions of dollars they wanna create studios all over the country they want to re they really are setting the stage for 2024 for covering the election 2024 and get ready because it's gonna it's gonna get bad and so i i, I just wonder i we I, as i noted in my column there is an, a similar effort but being led by by two left-leaning liberal women they bought a bunch of radio stations yeah they bought about uh they bought a, a, yeah mm -hmm. but i think to that point there's there's two things i just want to share one, it's pretty obvious 
you know, in this sort of age of American journalism, that I would say mainstream American journalism is super fascinated with the fact that Latinos are not a monolith. So I think Americano media is getting a little bit of a outsized uh, coverage right now because it's supposed to be different, right? The Fox News of Spanish uh, in Spanish. This is all about how they got funded. I want to know who the like who funded them and why. And is this going to be part of the Republican 2024 strategy? Be ready, because, again, Americano media is probably going to have all the Republican candidates and will probably have the former tr President Trump. And it's going to happen. Right. It's being set. And not and not to knock my 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 brothers and sisters from Spain, because you know, I, I do love Spain, but you know I do know the people. Some of the people in Americano media are not even like U.S. Latinos, which really <laughs> freaks me out a little bit. But to the point about the other the other side with this sort of like the progressive Latino right radio network. There is this fear that that radio network is going to just become sort of a talking piece of the DNC. And so what you're seeing in this space right now, and it really concerns me because, you know, I work for an independent nonprofit media company that covers our community. You know, Marcela, I, the work that she has done in Boston, just on the opinion side, is is just historic in the context of like Boston media in our community. I fear that this is going to get so politicized and propaganda. It'll be propaganda media that the people that are actually looking at this independently are going to get are be the are going to be the ones that are going to get left out, and that's dangerous for 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 American democracy. It's it's dangerous for journalism, and it's dangerous yeah. for our community. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Can I just make one last point? Uh, to your point about who's funding them, you're totally right. They have one secret founder and another one is a, like a right winger. And the second thing that I will say is that I've been trying to interview this woman who is one of the top hosts of Americano Media. Her name is Dania Alexandrino. Alexandrino. Yeah. She used to be in Boston. She went to BU School of Journalism. She started a Univision. And, and and so now she's like one of the top. And, and so I've been trying to read. Obviously, she moved to Florida. She is part of Puerto Rican descent. So at least you have one U.S. Latino there. And I've been trying to reach to reach her because I really want to try to understand, like, why do you buy into this stuff? Why do you buy into this propaganda? To your point, Julio. And so it it, it is going to get worse, I think. And, and it does leave an opening for 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 you know all of us writing in in these media organizations. And and I think. One of the organizations that is trying to capture the attention of this this uh, audience real well is you, Julio Futuro, obviously, right? With your oh, you're too kind. No, I'm not. And 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 you're, you know, obviously are at the you know at the vanguard here because you guys are doing content in both both languages, right? And and so that I think is key. But also, you're you're meeting people where they are, but 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 also not patronizing them either. And I think that's also uh, or pandering to them, right? Yeah. Like you, you are meeting them where they are, and and I think that's that's a really, really big challenge right now. How do you not pander but also meet them where they are? Um, and it's how tough. do you and not have them and without the money that you know, America? Believe Please. me, Callie. Please. If 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 I had twenty million dollars right now to cover <laughs> yeah. the community, I'd be I'd be dancing for joy. But yeah. whatever. All right, I'm going to do a hard turn here because I would like to uh, talk about a couple of uh, pop culture things. 
Um, first, you brought this to our attention, um, Julio. George Lopez uh, <laughs> has been like going after this young guy, this Latino comedian, Ralph Barboza, just being mean to him. Here he is. He's speaking with a guest on his podcast and he mocked him. Um, and this drew widespread backlash. But here he is. But nobody knows who that motherfucker is. What are you saying his name, man? Uh, I, look, I think he's great. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. wrong to say that? I, I'm, I'm doing exactly uh, what, what I'm preaching is, what do you mean you don't can we bring this kid up? Right? Have you heard of him? Okay. But is it wrong for me to say, why do you keep bringing his name up and nobody knows who he is? <laughs> and I don't mean to mean. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the man on the payroll. No, no, no hey, but, whatever you say. I mean, but you, you, you look out for yourself. That's what we look out for yourself. All right. Now, uh, since then, uh, another Latino comedian, Paul Rodriguez, did this really heartfelt um, piece online saying that uh, at one point George Lopez uh, told uh, a venue that he would not uh, agree to appear there if that venue hired any other Latino, um, and so. In general, it's not a good look all around for George Lopez. In the black community, we would call this crabs in a barrel. What say you, Julio? (laughs) Crabs in a barrel, crabs in a barrel. But it's just so, can I just say, like, this is so 2006. Yes. You know, when are we going to, does it hurt to just say like, hey, this is a young comic. I like him. That's all he needed to say. Have to, he could lie about it, but does he have to really go and say, I only have to, you know, in essence, he's like, I only have to worry about myself. That's like, I, 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 I philosophically, I think I, I'm so against this type of thinking that I, I just feel like, okay, George Lopez, you got your, your one minute for people to understand that you actually have a podcast. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, oh, you have a podcast, George Lopez? Who knew? So, you know, maybe you got a couple of listeners to listen to like badly produced podcasts and, and, you know, let's just move on. You know, it's uplift people. It's it's maybe I'm just getting old, Callie, but I'm just at a point where it's why are we doing this? It's just it's just annoying. Um, What say you, Marcella? What what Julio said, I mean, I it it just feels like a ploy to to create a fake, uh, you know, full controversy and, and, and get views. I I I'm, I cannot tell you when was the last time I thought of, or, 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 you know, saw George Lopez. I mean, I think he just trying to be relevant again with a cheap ploy. I mean, it's 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 pretty clear that that's what he's doing. Um, and 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 yeah, it's um what Julio said. I agree one hundred percent. I I, it's not. I don't think it's about getting old. I mean, you're just getting more experience and seeing Thank things you. For, wiser Thank for you. what Thank they you are Marcella. for what they are. Yeah, no, yeah. truly. Okay. All right. With seconds to go, I'd love for you all to tell me, because I didn't know, we recently lost Raquel Welsh. She yeah. died at 82. I had no idea me she neither. was Latino. You, I did. <laughs> no, I wow. did not know. I only found out yesterday. And oh, I had no clue. I had no clue. I'm yeah, gonna... uh, yeah. She's it's... Bolivian, by the way. Yeah, and it's... just just for people listening, yeah. um, she and her family. Her father, father was her like, father. "Do hide this," and yeah. and then she was savvy enough to say, "Well, if people know, I probably won't get roles, the kind of roles that I've gotten. So I'm not going to tell anybody." But at, uh, later on in her career, she definitely said, "I'm a proud Latina." Yeah, and I, we were talking about this when when the news of her death was announced. I was here in in the in the office last you know last weekend, and we were talking about this. And somebody mentioned, "Isn't she Latina?" Because the, yeah. the name Raquel, and I'm like, "What?" And so then I went into this rabbit hole. <laughs> so you just found out. 
Yesterday when she died, I found out. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's some, I never watched a movie by Raquel Welch. Never, never. I mean, people around me, like my colleagues, I even my husband sometimes marvels at the holes that I have in pop culture because I didn't grow up here. I mean, granted, I've been here more than 20 years, but I missed a lot of context, like from the 60s, 70s. Like I never watched those shows. Well, that's that's but, cool. You know, like that's that's a real, that's a good answer. I, no, I believe because that. It, yeah, because I, I, I can tell you. Well, I, I don't know about it. You know, I did know. and But I know, didn't know either. Julio. There's a reason. <laughs> and and the, the reason why she couldn't get the role. I mean, this is welcome to Hollywood, right? Welcome to Hollywood in the 60s. You had to. Yeah. You had to shed your identity. I mean, Anthony Quinn. You know, there's another example. You know, people. Right. I don't think people know that Anthony Quinn is like has Me is of Mexican descent, and so Raquel Welch and others, and you know Rita Moreno's talked about mm -hmm, just how mm -hmm. she, even though she was in West Side Story, she couldn't get other roles because she was like too ethnic. So Raquel Welch, you know, legendary sex symbol, you know, what glamorous model and actress, you, you know, entered the American consciousness, but was half Bolivian. Wow. And but she but I, I will give her credit down the road. She was much more vocal about it, which was good right. for her. All right. Well, I just had to had to ask you that on our <laughs> in conclusion. Man, all the tough I, questions, Gally. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're here for. Anyway, I thank you both for joining me. Oh, thanks, Callie. Thank you for having us. Julio Ricardo Varela is the president of Futura Media Group, co-host of the In the Thick podcast, founder of Latino Rebels, and an MSNBC opinion columnist. And Marcella Garcia is an opinion columnist and associate editor at the Boston Globe. Coming up, Japanese whiskey is a popular liquor on bar shelves and in restaurant cocktails. But where does it rank among the long list of beloved whiskeys? Our food and wine experts are back to discuss the trendy Japanese whiskey and how Asian cuisine is a major influence on the national food and wine scene. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. Callie Crossley.